You're listening to a message from Victory Dumaguete. We are on the third installment of our series called Set Apart. Many of you know this. This is stemming from our prayer and fasting two weeks ago. This is our third installment. And everyone, let's all welcome Bishop Ferdi Kabiling. Thank you, Pastor Archie. I get to have the privilege to share with us this third part of the series called Set Apart. Basically sharing with us a biblical view on holiness. You know, in our nation here in the Philippines, I think it's just proper for us to have a healthy biblical view of what holiness is all about so that we can have an appreciation of what we have. I was standing on that side a while ago and looking at the way we are worshiping God and the sincerity of us coming together. The reason why we can come together and worship God on a weekend like this is because the issue of holiness had been dealt with. And, and so we're going to go through that, and we've enjoyed so far our conversations the last two weeks. But this time, we're going to look at one of the books in the Old Testament that sometimes we seldom read, Leviticus. Leviticus, a bloody chapter. And sometimes we avoid Leviticus, you know, and we say, oh, Lord, give me Psalms, you know, <laughs> like a sheep enjoying the pasture in Psalms. Don't bring me to the bloody Leviticus. But hey, we can't pass Leviticus. We've got to look at it. But this time, my faith is each and every one of us will have a healthy and amazing view of Leviticus today. And I think that's the reason why Pastor Archie invited me, so that he can pass along the hardest chapter in the Bible and give it to someone a little older than he is. If you want to put a title on this message, the title of this message is Christ the greatest of all time, the real goat. And we're going to go through that and, and, and study that. He's the original and ultimate goat. And you see that on your reels, on your, on your timeline. But hey, we're going to talk about the greatest of all time, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's, it's reflected from an Old Testament book called Leviticus. And the question that I'd like us to face today is how can an unholy people approach a holy God? And that is an important question to ask because the Lord had been wooing mankind to himself, wanting a relationship with him. And, and some of us, there's that void in our hearts and we're, we're trying to fill it up with all the things of this world and realize This cannot be filled up by anything in this world except a relationship with God. Some people, experts, call it a God vacuum. That that vacuum in our hearts only God can fill. And that is having a relationship with Him. And how can we then have relationship with God if we are unholy as a people? He is a holy God and it cannot, holy and unholy cannot mix And so, therefore, the answer first, sin must be dealt with. And what is sin? Sin is missing the mark, missing the mark of God's glory. And so, how can we then deal with this issue of sin? And so, book of Leviticus, the reason why the people of God has gotten out of Egypt so that they can freely worship God in somewhere in a place where the Lord had promised And so they've gone through the trouble of crossing the Red Sea. Now they've crossed the Red Sea. They were in this foot of the mountain called Mount Sinai. 
and it is almost like a liminal stage, a place where they have gotten out of the slavery, but they have not accomplished or conquered the land that the Lord had promised. And so therefore, a place where they can freely worship God. And so, but the Lord has put them in that place during the time of Moses. And so from there, the Lord has given them an opportunity to go ahead and build a tabernacle of congregation, or they call it a tent of meeting. It's not the temple. Temple was built by Solomon, but this is a tent of meeting. And they have built it already, but they just don't know how to use it. And so now Leviticus had to be written. And this is how this will function. And it is important how the tent of meeting should be uh, used because it is going to be the reflection of what the Messiah is going to accomplish in the future. And so it's, it's a picture. And so here they were, Leviticus chapter 1, let me read verse 1. And it said, the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, so he gave the instruction now on how to use it. Now we're jumping right here in chapter 16. Chapter 16 is the climactic center of the entire book. You know, it's almost like there's a preparation here and a conclusion here, but there's something about the middle in chapter 16, and it basically speaks of the Day of Atonement. These are heavy words I'm using right now, but it will make sense, I hope, in our conversation this morning. As we go through some of the passage in chapter 16, I'd like us to read some of the verses, reading from this passage of Scripture from Leviticus chapter 16. I'll be reading verses 1 to 5, and then we're going to read 20, 22, and then from there we're going to read 29 to 30. Verse 1, chapter 16. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they drew near before the Lord and died. What an introduction of a chapter. Two deaths on the spot, sons of the high priest Aaron. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark, so that he may not die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat, but in this way Aaron shall come into the holy place with a bull from the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat and shall have the linen undergarment on his body. And he shall tie the linen sash around his waist and wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. And he shall bathe his body in water, then put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Let's go to verse 20. And it says, And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting in the altar, he shall present the live goat and Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, and he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area 
and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. Verse 29, and it shall be a statute to you forever that on the tenth day of the month you shall afflict yourself and shall do no work, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you, and you shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. What a picture here of the holiness of God. The word atonement was mentioned 59 times in the entire Leviticus. The word atonement was mentioned 15 times in chapter 16. And we see here the main theme already of the entire book. Question, what do we mean by atonement? Atonement is from the root word atone. You want to make a little trivia on this word atone. It's a combination of two words, at one. At one. It's almost like to be at one with God. How can we have a relationship with God, a holy God and unholy people? How can we be one with him? At one or to cover is basically the word to cover. And so the unholiness should be covered in order for a possibility of a relationship with the holy God. And then to go through this in order for that to happen. The reason why he made Adam and Eve in the first place is that so he can express his generosity and, and love to mankind through this couple. And we all know the story after that. They have failed to continue on with that relationship, and it has been a battle ever since. Ever since the Garden of Eden had been a battle ever since. But the Lord, out of his love, made some preparations and spoke to Abraham and to Moses. Now there's a possibility of a relationship with God, but you have to go through this. And then the day had come, and they called that day the day of atonement, a day when mankind can become one with God in relationship. So chapter 16 is really a climactic chapter. And so why is there a need for this? For us to be covered and atoned for in order for us to relate with him because of the holiness of God. And so having said that, let me share with us three climactic elements that put the spotlight on the holiness of God, mirroring in order to mirror Christ's work on the cross. We're talking about this day of atonement that had been established 3,500 years ago. 3,500 years ago during the time in this time at the foot of Mount Sinai before entering into the promised land. And the first one is something to do with the sacredness of the performance of atonement. The sacredness of the performance, the nitty-gritty act of going into the presence of God with all the requirements needed of all the animals to be sacrificed in order for the priests to be able to enter in. He had to offer sacrifice for his own sin and for the sins of the people of Israel. And the nitty-gritty of it, the performance of the atonement, basically speaks of the reason why we have to do this. Why is there a need for this? Why is it so intricate in order for us to do this? It's because if this is not going to happen, we are all going to die. Just like the sons of Aaron called Nidab and Abihu. These are the two sons mentioned in chapter 15. Nidab and Abihu, 
just basically tried to do it by themselves, and they died. You know the story of Uzzah, another person who years after this brought the presence of God to Jerusalem, to Israel, but something happened. They, they followed the way on how to carry the Ark of the Covenant. They did it, but one time when they rested, the Ark of the Covenant kind of leaned forward a bit. Uzzah, being a servant as he was, tried to save it. When he did, he died. Why? Because that's not how to handle the Ark of the Covenant. There's a way to do it. He didn't follow the instruction on how to handle the Ark of the Covenant, so he passed. That's how holy God is. You can't mess with it. That's why we rely on his promise. We rely on his word. When he says, speak to the rock, don't strike the rock. Remember Moses? He was out of anger, struck the rock, and out of that he didn't go to the promised land. Why? Because the word of the Lord says, speak. Don't be so creative about it. Don't be too emotional because of your anger. And try to be creative with the word of God. You're not trying to be creative with the word of God. Obey it. You're not called to be creative about it. When he says, speak, you better speak. You don't strike it. So here's the same way. The sons of of Aaron didn't do it. The Lord had told Aaron and Moses, they did some other things. They tried to be creative, and so they died. And the Lord spoke to Moses and said, please tell your brother. I don't want him to die. So you got to do this so he won't die. And so the sacredness of the performance of the atonement is important in order for you to survive. And so that's what they did. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark so that he may not die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. Thank God for mercy, the mercy of God. And he shall put on the holy linen coat and shall have the linen undergarment on his body. And he shall tie the linen sash around his waist and wear his linen turban and and these, the holy garment, he shall bathe his body in, in water, then put them on. You could imagine the intricacy of making sure they dress up properly for the occasion. If not, then even him will not make it and not survive. The sacredness, the holiness, the sacred and elaborate and intricate performance to be done to spare us from the threat of death. That's very crucial. You want to see the elements the climactic elements of this sacrifice being done in Leviticus chapter 16, because this will, as I've said, be reflected on the work of Christ on the cross. And could you imagine the preparation just to get in? And what a picture that we see here, the intricacies of all this. What else? What are the other climactic elements that we see here? The worthiness of the person of atonement. The worthiness of the person of atonement. That's one of The first one is the very reason why I avoid Leviticus. I fall asleep when I read Leviticus. I don't know about you, but I avoid it. Well, during pandemic, I was in the New Testament. So what I avoided during pandemic was Revelation. I said, no, 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 not this one. Lord, I want to go to Psalms, not Revelation. Then I was thinking, I'm a bishop. Why am I afraid to read Revelation, you know? And so, and so I realized, ah, okay, Lord. So I went to Re- Revelation during the pandemic, you know. I only read six to eight verses every day. I got a notebook. I write down. And, and with all this metaphor and the picture of the horns and the 666 and all this, and uh, 
what is this? So symbolic. I, I, I want straight to the point, you know? Why is this so symbolic? So I kind of cheat. I, I read commentaries in my devotion. It's pandemic anyway. You have nowhere to go. You study. Hello? So I studied, uh, you know, commentaries and all these comments. And oh, wow, I enjoyed it. And I said, wow, 666 is the number of Rome. It's a city. I mean, you go ahead and study it. But anyways, so that was my travelogue. That was my journey during the pandemic. But Leviticus, forget it. And yet we see the sacredness of the intricacies of all things that you have to do in order for you to realize it's not really that easy. It's not easy to survive because God is really that holy. The other thing that I'd like us to see here, that second element is the worthiness of the person of atonement. He shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel, verse 5, two male goats for a what? What are these two male goats for? For a sin offering. Two male goats to answer the sin and have a sin offering. You got to have these two male goats. And then verse 20, he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and, and the tent of meeting and the altar. He shall present the live goat. Verse 21, Aaron shall lay his hand on, on the head of the live goat. The other one was sacrificed for the burnt offering. The other one was a live goat. How many know if you are sacrificed for a burnt offering, you won't survive? That's why it's called burnt. No goat can survive burnt offering. I mean, abu No goat will survive the next day and say, I made it in the burnt offering. A goat can't survive a burnt offering. You'll be burned. But the other one is supposed to be alive. Are you here? And now this, this live goat, verse 20, he shall present the live goat, and verse 21, and Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel. Could you imagine that goat? Aaron would go and put, lay his hand on the head of the goat and lay hand and put impute in that goat the sin of all the Israelites. And then after imputing, after praying on the head of the live goat and confess all, it, all the iniquities of the people of, of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, and he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness. The man of readiness will take that goat and, and probably walk a few miles from that place to the forest, and then from the forest would release that live goat and that goat will be gone. It will be gone. And it's a picture of the sins of the people of Israel and their sins will be no more. The scripture has told us about a picture of that in Psalms. And basically Psalm 102 verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgression from us. And so as soon as he lay, would lay his hands on the head of that goat, he will walk miles from there and release it into the forest and it will be gone. Now, I'm just wondering, I don't know in Dumaguete, but in Ilocos, if you're a goat and you're wandering around, you'll end up becoming a Papa Itan. But how do you call Papa Itan here in Dumaguete? It's the same thing? Papa Itan, do you call Papa Itan? We call it Papa Itan there. I mean, we love it. Just hope that there are no Ilocanos in the forest. If there are Ilocanos there, your sins will be found out. 
you know, <laughs> the goat won't get lost. The goat will find its way on the table of an Ilocano house. Or in a canteen where you guys line up and eat Papa Itan in the canteen and you realize that was the goat that was released by Aaron. But this is forever. This goat will be gone forever. And our sins will be remembered no more. As far as the east is from the west, so shall your sins will be forgotten. Why east from the west, not north and the south? Well, because east and west cannot meet. And so therefore, the same way with our sins, as far as the east is from the west, that our sins will be no more. And he has, he has been talking, the first goat which was sacrificed first, it speaks of the forgiving forgiveness of our sins through the first goat. But the second goat is the removing of the guilt. It's the covering of the guilt. And so that's the picture why we have that. That's where we get the word scapegoat. Remember the word scapegoat? Oh, scapegoat lang yan. But this actually came from Leviticus 16. Imagine that. You're quoting Leviticus 16 when you say, oh, scapegoat lang yan. Wow. You're quoting from Leviticus, one of the toughest chapters in the Bible. But I want you to know that it's not just a scapegoat, but two live goats, two goats. The one that's been sacrificed for burnt offering and the one that covered our sins. Not only forgiven, but covered our sins through the release of the goat. And so because of that process, the people of God can now celebrate for the entire year without guilt. And yet next year, there will be a session of sacrifice again. Why? Because that covering of sin, that forgiveness and that covering of sin is going to expire for a year. And you have to do it again next year. The mere fact that you have been released out of that guilt for a year could already cause for a celebration. I don't want to lay it aside and say, oh, only one year. Well, compare it to no forgiveness. But imagine you've been released from your debt for a year. At least makahinga ka man lang. Ah, thank you, Lord. Next year ole. See you next year, Lord. Next year again, Miss, uh, you know. And then you talk to the priest. We love you, priest. We'll see you again next year. And the Lord is going to receive our sacrifice again next year. They would rejoice. I'm not minimizing the celebration. But I want you to know that it had not been removed forever. It's still there and coming to visit you in a yearly basis. And it's going to come again. That time of the year where we have to sacrifice in order to cover our guilt and sin so that we can relate with the holy God. And you know what? That was the picture of that day. The third element, the climactic element. It's not just the performance, not just the person, which is the most important thing here. But the purpose of the atonement had been completed. Verse uh, 29, and it shall be the statue to you forever that in the seventh month on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves and you shall do no work, either in the native nor the stranger who sojourn among you. Verse 30, and on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you and you shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. From all your sins. We're talking about 3,500 years ago. That was the practice. And that's the only relief. So that the people won't have to be under the heavy burden of sin. God has to make a solution to it. 
so that when they gather together, there's going to be an acceptance of the sacrifice because their sins have been forgiven. That would last for a year. What is important here is that something happened. Something happened in the, if the priest would sacrifice for his own sin and then make a sacrifice for the sin of, of Israel, then he'll survive and do his job. But I want you to know, I want to make reading from they call it the commentary of Leviticus, Hebrews. I want to read this passage from Hebrews, and we're going to end in, in a while. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 27. I want to read this. He has no need like those of high priests. Now, this is the author of Hebrews. We don't know who the author of Hebrews. Uh, he might have been so in a hurry, he forgot to write his name. Going back to this passage in Hebrews 7, 27, he had no need of those high priests to offer sacrifice daily. First for his own sins, then for those of the people. Now this, this is now the real goat. Since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. This is Jesus when he died on the cross. That Jesus when he offered up himself on that cross he covered, there's nothing to cover for his sins, for he committed no sin. So when he died on the cross, he did it just for you and me. And there's no expiry date. It's not just going to be celebrated for a year, but it's forever. So if someone tells you, walang forever, you tell them, meron. You want to find out? Come with me, I have a small group in the Starbucks. And you will discover your forever. There is forever. Why? Because we are no longer in the Old Testament. Christ said accomplice. And he went to the Holy of Holies. After he died, he was spared after three days. He went to the Holy of Holies. And as soon as he reached heaven, his offering had been accepted. And the Bible says he's coming back again for the bride, a holy bride without stain or wrinkle. I got a wrinkle on my shirt. I, I, I ironed it this morning, but it's still wrinkled. There's something wrong with the iron in Dumaguete. It's not working. But my Bible says Jesus is going to come back with a church that is so holy, without spot, without wrinkle that's his bride called the church and that is you and me and so when we come together on a sunday i was standing out there and looking at you and i was thinking at the back of my head i says look at these people they get to come here they had the audacity to come here raise their hands and worship god do they know that in the past you have to make an entrance somewhere there then you have to sacrifice animals at the back before you can even come in and have your representative in the presence of God. But today we can just go inside of that congregation, raise our hands and worship God because Christ had accomplished what he needed to accomplish on that cross 2,000 years ago. And he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. So now we can raise our hands with boldness. Are you here with me? That's why I like to come to our service on a Sunday. Because there are no longer hindrances. No longer obstacles. I can come in and worship God. Choose the best seat in the house. Especially if you're early. 
I can even sit next to my pastor. It doesn't really matter because we can come in freely because Christ is the perfect goat. The ultimate greatest of all time. The Lord Jesus Christ who performed it for you and I. But I want you to know when we partake of the communion, when we come together and celebrate and partake of that communion, it's a reminder, you did it already, Lord. I don't have to be like Naida ben Abihu. I don't have to come to a place where there's a possibility for me to die because you already died for me. When I partake of this element, Lord, I am rejoicing that you did it for me and not just for me, but for my entire household. And Lord, I thank you for the church. I thank you for that celebration of what you did for us on the cross. Let me read this verse, chapter 9:23. Thus was the necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Verse 24. For Christ has entered not into holy places made by hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God of our, on our behalf. Our high priest Jesus Christ went to heaven and our behalf presented us to him and says, Lord, here are my sons, here are my daughters. The sacrifice had happened and our father in heaven says, well done, good and faithful servant and welcome his son. And now we are received in the beloved. We're now brothers and sisters, whatever color of skin you have. Whether you have a black hair, blonde hair, no hair, whatever color of skin, we are one, at one with God. We are atoned for because of what Christ has done. Amen? Can we just give the Lord a hand today? As we end, Dale Moody says, I must die or get somebody to die for me. If the Bible doesn't teach that, it doesn't teach anything. And that is where the atonement of Jesus Christ comes in. So I say this, restoring our relationship with God had cost him the sacrifice of his son to atone for our sins and appease his own holy wrath. Amen? That's what Christ has done for us so we can now have relationship with God. You just heard a message from Victory Dumaguete. For more messages like these or to access other resources, Please visit victorytumaguete.org or like our page on Facebook.